Uh, second take title for Wizard of Oz, House Party. <laughs> we have to go back. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today, we are taking a trip somewhere over the rainbow with our review of... The 1939 movie, The Wizard of Oz. Ever heard of it? (laughs) Uh, Now, Grayson, why are we reviewing The Wizard of Oz? Because we love wizards. And I personally love Dr. Oz. Combining (laughs) our love for daytime television and the dark arts, we bring you our review of The Wizard of Oz. The only thing better would be Steve Harvey Potter. If we could make that mashup work. But no, A Wrinkle in Time is coming out. And we tried to think of what are other outlandish uh, girl travels to a, a fantastical realm uh, type movies. It was a real close call between this and Alice in Wonderland. And in a distant third place, like like Green Party third place, it was uh, Time Bandits. So, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. We went with Wizard of Oz. Because, weirdly enough, we haven't reviewed it yet. I think it's so interesting that Darkman was reviewed before Wizard of Oz. That makes total sense to me. <laughs> I'm shocked we haven't done Darkman 2 before Wizard of Oz. Oh, fair. Really fair. <laughs> yeah. But let's go ahead and get to Wizard of Oz. I feel like Wizard of Oz is one of those movies that has been around for so long that you probably think you know it. But if you're anything like me, you probably forgot a lot about The Wizard of Oz. So I will start us off with a synopsis. Uh, The Wizard of Oz is a story about a young girl who is transported to a surreal land and she kills the first person she meets and then teams up with three strangers to kill again. Wow. Wizard of Oz. That is accurate or as you probably remember it more clearly um the wizard of oz is all about dorothy gale who is swept away from a farm in kansas to a magical land of oz in a tornado and embarks on a quest with her new friends to see the wizard who can help her return home in kansas and help her friends along the way uh so the wizard of oz is based off of a book titled The Wonderful Wizard of Oz uh, that was originally published in 1900. Wow. Just 1900. Um, And then it was later titled The Wizard of Oz because, you know, cleaner after the movie musical adaptation there are some differences between the novel and the movie which i thought was pretty interesting so in the novel dorothy actually has a pair of silver slippers not ruby red slippers yeah um and depending on who you listen to um they made this change in the movie due to technicolor or just because you know they they said the silver doesn't show up well on screen that's yeah. the name silver screen it's too oh. much silver too much silver i will actually explain through headcanon later on why the slippers have to be ruby Ooh, um another difference covered in blood no no, no. (laughs) Uh, those were glass slippers before the house landed some of the water that she (laughs) throws on the witch gets on the slippers she's like oh this is 
<laughs> These are clear. Oh no, I've been walking around. What have I done? Am I the villain? <laughs> you either die in Kansas or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And in the original novel, there were uh, two good witches. Um, and they cut out a ton of stuff, including uh, Dorothy's return to Emerald City after killing the witch and the journey from the Emerald City to Glinda's palace. Wow. Um, and this is something that I thought was really, really interesting. The whole, it was all just a dream concept was added in by the studios because they thought that the audience was too sophisticated to accept a real fantasy land. Oh, yes. Far too sophisticated. Far too sophisticated. sophisticated. Uh, Narnia, Alice in Wonderland, (laughs) Peter Pan. Far too sophisticated. Far, far too sophisticated. Uh, So you're probably wondering, why? how did this movie um, get its start? great question uh we actually have ricky how did this movie get its start oh grayson i'm so glad you asked great <laughs> after the success of snow white that mr walt disney created and just made a ton of money from other students were like oh wait you can make money off of book book movies <laughs> what that is crazy how long ago it was. You said the book was written in 1900. Like, yes. L. Frank Baum wasn't sitting around going, I hope this book is adapted into a thing that hasn't really been made yet. No. In fact, so um, the animated classic Snow White done by Disney uh, came out the year before this movie um, was even in production or a glimmer in any studio's eye. And they actually originally... Co- were planning on collaborating to make a Wizard of Oz movie because Walt Disney was going to make an animated Wizard of Oz movie. That would be so, pretty incredible. Right? So MGM was going to basically do a Who Framed Roger Rabbit almost 50 years before that was even an option. But Walt Disney was working on his own version of Oz while uh, MGM Studios had the rights to it. Um, right before he started making it. And so then they originally were like, hey, let's collaborate. And then due to scheduling mishaps, the collaboration never happened. And Disney eventually canceled his own version so that the film version could then be released. Um, and so then Wizard of Oz was made. But here's, I think, probably the most interesting part about the history of this movie. This movie was a box office bomb. So the film costs, including marketing... Um, $4.2 million. And domestically, it only made just over $2 million and worldwide made $3 million. Wow. So you're telling me in 91 years, Pluto Nash could be a classic. <laughs> it's too soon to tell. Uh, so, um, so it had over a million dollars in losses. And here's why. A little thing known as World War II started mere days after the film hit theaters. Um, Probably didn't help. Mm. Um, So the film was reissued like almost almost exactly a decade later um, and started to make profit from that point. Um, But the original box office performance is why we never really got any sequels. Um, or official sequels from MGM to make um, any additional Wizard of Oz movies. 
And then in 1956, there was a broadcast television premiere of the film on CBS, which reintroduced the film to a wider audience. And that's where so many people got to understand just the sheer magnitude and amazingness of Wizard of Oz. They're like, oh, it's so retro. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, and when I looked up this movie, my mind was taken away by a twister to understand. <laughs> To realize that this movie came out in the 30s. Yep. Like, so many of these effects still hold up super well, but we'll get to that later. Um, What's also insane is there is so... This world of Oz is so expansive. So Al Frank Baum wrote tons of books on Oz. Uh, there have been a bunch of plays, a bunch of adaptations, uh, inspired adaptations where it's just super different, but it's still roughly Wizard of Oz. And so for the staying power of this core story, like it really started here, except for when it started with the book. Uh, so, but this really did launch uh, all of these different, like that Wizard of Oz was a viable filmed property. Uh, people have been trying to live up to the magic of the original. And even with fancy special effects, they still don't really hit it. Like there's something about the heart of this movie that studios have largely, I'd say for the most part, been unable to capture. And so to to get first take, best take in 1939 is just incredible. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Disney is the only studio to have made two movie universe sequels to this movie, one being Return to Oz that was released sometime in the 80s, and also the prequel... Oz the Great and Powerful um, in the 2000-somethings. There's also been animated sequels as well that focus on some of the other characters that you meet in Oz. Because like we meet, obviously, the key three of Scarecrow, Tin Man, Cowardly Lion, but there are other characters there that are like made of gears and things like that that movies could just continue to explore over and over again. But it really has nothing's topped the original. Absolutely. Except for Oz on HBO. Uh, yeah, start watching that um, to just get some other ideas. Uh, Scarecrow does not do well in prison. Yeah, those are the wrong kind of ideas, Ricky. Yeah. <laughs> so before we get into our reactions, I want to share with you guys a couple of really interesting fun facts. Um, so this is something I didn't realize. Grayson, did you know that Professor Marvel plays the gatekeeper, the mayor, the carriage driver, and the guard? Whoa. Like, so I knew he played Professor Marvel and the wizard because that's one of the main plots of the movie. But what? I did not realize all the other ones. I thought yeah. they just got a bunch of vaguely similar actors. So he did this to help the actor Frank Morgan um, get more screen time so that it would balance out with the rest of the cast because, you know, he's not in the movie a lot. But this really does help my headcanon a lot later on, because if you look at it differently, um, it's the wizard continuing to like change in and out of costume to try to keep up the ruse. But anyway, because he's a, he's the one who says oh. no one sees the wizard. Not no way. Not no how. No one sees me. I mean <laughs> the wizard. <laughs> Nailed it. Over the Rainbow. You know yep. the song. Mm -hmm. Almost cut entirely from the film. Whoa. Um, because the producers thought it was disrespectful to have Judy Garland sing 
in a barnyard. It's far too disrespectful. <laughs> they would never go for something It'll like never that. Work. No, I can't think of any relevant examples where it's not disrespectful, so it is disrespectful. Yeah, the highbrow of 1930s Hollywood. They sound vaguely like L. Frank Baum. <laughs> <laughs> and um, last little fun fact I have is Margaret Hamilton, who plays uh, the Wicked Witch of the West. Margaret uh, Hamilton. <laughs> Been studying. Was Margaret Hamilton. She was a kindergarten teacher uh, by day, actor by night. I'm not entirely sure if it was the other way around, but who they knows? They shot all of her scenes at night? <laughs> all of them. <laughs> and um, so she was a very kind teacher, too. And when she was teaching, kids would ask her, hey, why were you so mean to Dorothy? Um, and so she made a point to get a guest star spot on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood to explain... That the witch was just a role that she played. I mean, she could have really just stopped those questions right in their tracks by saying, Dorothy killed my sister. <laughs> it's a revenge tale. Fair. Very fair. You don't know what revenge is? Lesson one. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to go ahead and get into our reaction. So, Grayson, when was the last time that you watched The Wizard of Oz? Goodness, I don't know. I mean, I remember uh, Wizard of Oz from like the moment I opened my eyes as a human. <laughs> um, Wizard of Oz, uh, my mother particularly was a huge fan of this movie. So we had it on. It's it's like safe for kids for the most part, except for all the like brutally terrifying revenge. stuff. Revenge. Uh, the revenge. <laughs> um, and the, you know, house murders and, and whatnot. And then melting of the flesh but um <laughs> we we used to just have it on and i remember i had like wizard of oz action figures that i would pose and stuff like that so um youngest of ages i can remember wizard of oz has been there um and since it came out in 1939 that's probably true for a lot of people um it uh definitely has been a positive impact on my life as well so i I have like read the book, I've watched the movies, I have seen different adaptations. I just really enjoy this story. So um, when I was watching it for this, I was expecting to just basically like curl up on the couch and just watch this movie I was super familiar with. Little did I know I'd end up just scratching tons of notes down because I was so enthralled with it all over again. Yeah. Um, it, is a, it is a story that, uh, really does capture your attention even when you expect to kind of just kind of tune out and like go through the motions like it is a really captivating story so um yeah i i don't remember the last time i don't remember the first time it just always has been and uh wizard of oz has kind of an interesting connection to uh, like the area that I'm in right now, because I, I currently live in an area where uh, Wizard of Oz was filmed. Like the the studios were less than a half mile from my apartment, wow. and so there's like a, there's signage and things like that in certain areas uh, in town where uh, like I, I'm I live by this hotel, like this historical hotel where. Um, 
they they basically housed the cast, particularly like all of the munchkins, like all of them. And so they have like uh, plaques that detail about the, the shooting and like pictures of the rooms that they stayed in. And they even have this weird little diorama thing with basically the same action figures I had as a kid. Uh, but they it, like Wizard of Oz is just kind of a prevalent thing in my life anyway. So, um, yeah, no beginning, no end, really. It's just uh, it was great to re-engage with this story. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's I have a lot of the same experience with it i my mom also loved the wizard of oz pretty much anytime it came on tv which i want to say was like an annual tradition at one point in time back when you know um there were fewer tv channels but yeah i had the almost the exact same experience like i'm like oh yeah i totally remember this movie when right out the gate i realized my whole life i thought dorothy's aunt's name was aunt anne like Ann Perkins, Ann, not M. M. Yeah, because Emily, says, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah short for Emily. I'm like, wait, what? What is her name? Um, and also, I feel like I never really watched a lot of the sepia, like part of Wizard of Oz. Yeah, because I didn't realize how heavy-handed the whole. Well, it's such a it's just a dream because these people that you know are in your dream later on. Because I think for most of my life, I grew up just thinking, "Oh no, Oz is just a real place that she actually teleported to." She got taken to that giant. There's a giant mix-up in the Marvel universe, and the the Bifrost from Thor. Like transported her to Oz. Like, well, you're that... far too sophisticated for something <laughs> far like that. Too far sophisticated. too sophisticated. Um, but yeah, so like there are just a lot of things like that that just like wrinkled my brain. I'm like, oh, I yeah. thought I, I've seen this, but I think the reason I thought I had seen it before is because I've seen it so many times as a kid, and then so many different shows and movies pay homage to the movie that you feel like you always kind of get these different um, retellings of it, but you all come from a point of reference that I think kind of gets muddied, um, but in like, not like a bad way, but just like it, you, you get, kind of get foggy on what the actual source material is. Oh yeah. I see. That makes sense. Like what, what was a, a retelling versus what was the original? Right. Like yeah. I forgot how, um, coordinated the Munchkin City, um, you know, population was when they were like, "Oh, the witch is dead." All right, guys, it's time for that musical number we've been waiting for. Five, six, seven, eight. Um, I also realized how much more murdery um, this movie is about, and how, um, given the right light, this is really a uh, a mobster movie. Oh. Uh, with the wizards like, okay, you want to prove yourself to me? Bring me back the witch's broom. We'll have to kill her. Bring me back her broom. I want her turf. I want her broom off. <laughs> Alternate yeah. title for the movie, <laughs> Broom Off. Broom Off. 
I yeah, there was a lot I actually even though I've seen it tons of times, just it clicked differently this way. Like I don't remember Uncle Henry ever existing. <laughs> I, I was like, who is this character? He I, had it, so one mind. of my favorite lines, which was Well, I'm here for Dorothy, uh, for that dog bite. He's like, Oh, she bit you. <laughs> no, her dog. Ah, oh, uh. she bit the dog. <laughs> it's like Thanks, Uncle Henry. Yeah, it's crazy because I remember that line. I just don't remember him. Uh, so, yeah, that that was new to me. Uh, I don't remember the pre-Oz stuff taking nearly as long. Like, I honestly never clicked that they basically said, like, well, that's because I have brains and you got to have courage. And it was like, oh, is this like a deleted scene? Like, <laughs> right? I don't remember one? this. That is exactly what it felt like for me. I'm like, I, okay, so she's going to run away and then the tornado is going to come. It's like, oh, that's right. She runs into Mr. Vagabond Oz. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this. And then just all the other things. Like, I feel like I either started the movie right when she says, um, oh, I sure do wish I could go somewhere over the rainbow and then start singing that. And then there's a commercial break, and then I come back to watch it right when they're back in Oz. What I miss. What I miss. Nothing. (laughs) To this day, one of the most enchanting transitions in film is when Dorothy goes up to her door, and she opens it, and everything switches from sepia to color. And I'm like, how did they rotoscope in 1939? Like, how? Mm. How did you do it? Hi, this is Editing Ricky. Uh, it was brought to my attention by a friend of the show, Jeffrey Brown, that this effect was actually achieved all in camera. They didn't rotoscope it. In fact, there's an amazing Vox video that will be linked in the show notes uh, showing you how they basically painted the whole house in sepia tone and had a stunt actor painted also in sepia tone so that when they opened it up, all the color would be there. It's just, it's amazing. Uh... Video link will be in the show notes. And now, back to our previously uninformed uh, marvel at this effect. It was yeah. just oh, so good. So good. Yeah, it's the equivalent now of when they say, please put on your 3D glasses. <laughs> Except they just open a door and it's amazing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <sighs> you got to think audiences are like, oh, okay, we're doing this now. Okay. <laughs> All right. And um, and before we do get into headcanon, I do want to mention, like, there's a ton of, like, really amazing history and fun facts, like, full-on documentaries about Wizard of Oz. But I, I wanted to share these specific points just to uh, speak to kind of, like, I guess our experience of re-watching it. Because, again, it's one of those movies that has been around for so long that I didn't want to rehash a bunch of stuff to you guys that you may already know. Um, but for sake of time, I just want to let you know. Yeah, that's the thing. We we when you pick such an iconic movie like this, there's a whole wealth of information. We are but a humble retro movie podcast. Yes, we are. To think that we can completely sum up the experience and history of a movie like Wizard of Oz would be pure hubris. Yeah. So let me just say this. We are far too sophisticated for it. We're far too sophisticated. <laughs> far too 
fools investigated. To attempt such a fool's errand. <laughs> Somewhere over the head cannon, unique ideas fly. Nice. Ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Ricky, that was beautiful. Thank you. I don't believe you. Grayson texted, so when we decided that we were going to do this movie, Grayson texted me. He said, Ricky, I just got done watching this movie. This headcanon I have completely changes everything. everything. And then upon my viewing, I too had headcanon that changed everything. Well, uh, and I would like you yeah. to go first because you watched oh, yeah? the movie before me. Okay, that's that's only fair, I guess, in the rules that we're making up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I I watched this and ended. I had an idea struck me that after I got that in my brain, I could not dislodge it, and ended up taking pages and pages of notes to support it. So I'm trying to sift through these random, insane thoughts, um, but hopefully. When we come out the other side, you too may watch Wizard of Oz in a different way. So, and I really hope this isn't like that Mad Max thing where you tell me that the director said that's not true. And then I know. Well, you know, interestingly enough. No! uh, (laughs) You read an article by Victor Fleming? Uh, Okay, so the, the core idea of this headcanon is that Dorothy is not, in fact, going to a faraway distant land, but is actually traveling to the far distant future. Ooh. Okay, so this, I didn't have that headcanon, so good. Okay, awesome. I was going to throw up on my microphone if you said (laughs) you had the same thing. All right, so... That's the crux of it, that she's actually traveling through time. That that was the seed that that planted. Uh, and so I started to think, like, well, why why would she travel through time? What would be the, the kind of cause of it? And so we have the twister that goes on. Um, I actually think the twister was the result of a nuclear blast. Um, so when the nuclear blast went off and created these uh, environmental phenomenons that it's like, bigger twisters than you've ever had before chaos all over. Um, It dropped her house exactly where it was in Kansas, but just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years in the future. Um, So it looks like the, the house like crushed the wicked witch of the East. Really? She just kind of like traveled through time and the witch was standing there and the house is on top of her now. Um, So that is kind of how she got there. Because of all this nuclear fallout, though, it stunted the growth of many of the citizens of Canvas. So that's how you get communities like the Munchkin Land. Um, It also created these animal-human hybrids like the Cowardly Lion. Um, And... And ultimately, it even changed the vegetation like the trees that throw the apples. So every element of this kind of evolved in a very bizarre way um, because of this nuclear contamination. I think that's also highlighted to things like Emerald City and the the green color of the witch's skin, that this is other symptoms of love, like tying into some kind of uh, nuclear fallout um, situation there. So... That that was the the origins within like the first twenty minutes of the movie of, of thinking about that. Um, I'm gonna press pause on that time travel 
element for a second to get to another thing that reinforces it and then come back to time travel, which is color. So obviously, like you said, they open the door, color for days. But I think color is such an important symbol in this movie that it has a deeper meaning than just looking pretty. Um, so considering time travel, I believe that the color of time is red in this movie. Um, so remember that time is red and I believe that space is yellow. Um, you connect that space yellow. So let's deal with time and space for a second. We got Ruby slippers. I believe those Ruby slippers are actually time traveling devices, uh, which is why the wicked witch of the West wants these slippers so that she can go back in time and save her sister. Um, there's oh. also a, uh, it's, it's really an altruistic motive that she has. Um, the, uh, hourglass itself has red sand that goes through it. Uh, whenever she's looking in the crystal ball, there's a flash of red when she looks into the past to see Auntie M. Um, there, there, there's red all throughout this that is somehow connected to the passage of time. Um, even the, the heart that is also a clock is red because it's a heart, but it's got a clock right in the middle of it, which is very directly red and time. So, all right. Yellow, yellow brick road, obviously one of the biggest things there. Um, I, I'm interested kind of side note. I'm interested where the red brick road went, um, because they kind of swirl together. And so to me, I think that is representing that she has landed at the intersection of space and time, the oh. yellow and red. Um, and uh, the the Witch of the North, Glinda, is sending her through space when ultimately what Dorothy needed was to go through time. Um, so if she had gone down the other one, I believe she would have walked through a door or something that would have led her right back. But instead, she went through um, space because I don't believe Glinda is truly uh, up for good. I believe Glinda wants to, wants the slippers as much as she does, which we'll get to in a second. Um all right, let's talk about let's talk about the color green. So, green, evil or it's not con. Easy. <laughs> it's not easy being green. Uh, Kermit the witch, and she like Wicked Witch is green. Uh, even Oz, which isn't truly what it's like made out to be, is green. There's a lot of references to just green uh, being somewhat deceitful in a way or underhanded. Um, and if green is evil, then there needs to be some kind of counter. Uh, and that would be blue. Blue is really only consistently represented mm. by Dorothy's apron uh, or D Dorothy's outfit in general. Um, and I believe Dorothy is really one of the only like truly good things to have landed here in a long, long time, which is why she's the one that has to take the witch out. All right, so that covers all of the colors there. Um, if you look for those four colors when you're watching back through the movie, you'll make your own connections. Um, but to me, it reinforced a lot of this time travel element too because when she gets to the end, when she uh, is like in the balloon, that's when I realized the hot air balloon was also a time machine to take her back. Not only is it red, it is also yellow. So the, the balloon itself is 
something that can intersect with space and time, which is why she needs that in order to go back. But she misses the balloon. Uh, so the the wizard, uh, he makes comments throughout it about like where I came from, like he's from the past as well, that kind of thing. That's why he uh, is able to go back. But uh, Dorothy has to use the slippers, which she could have used all along, but she didn't really realize that that's what it was. So uh, I mentioned that Glinda, the good witch, uh, so-called good witch, uh, <laughs> she's truly the one who wants the slippers. That's because she knows the rules. You have to uh, basically kill whoever has the slippers to take the slippers. Um, oh. And so by sending her to uh, Oz, Oz would give her this impossible task of going to stop the Wicked Witch. Uh, since Glinda is the one who set her on the path to Oz that would ultimately make her confront the Wicked Witch and cause her to die, Glinda would be responsible for the death of Dorothy and therefore get the time-traveling slippers. By the end, though, she realizes that Dorothy has beat the Wicked Witch and her plan has failed, so she uh, has a change of heart and sends her back to Kansas in the first place. Also, why does water melt the witch? Well, because it's not just water. It's actually highly concentrated acid rain from all the nuclear fallout in the future. Because uh, it never rains there. So a bucket of water would be a pretty precious commodity and be pretty helpful, but also likely be pretty toxic. Um, I feel like I have gone on forever um, and kind of been babbling, but it just try watching it with that scope, that you are watching a time travel story instead of the the story that they kind of lay out in front of you. And even if you're like, well, how are they the farmhands? They're descendants of the farmhands. Cloud it's that atlas. kind of, it's a, it's a, a real cloud atlas here. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, if you don't buy any of it, you have to ask yourself, how does the cowardly lion know that the Sphinx is the seventh wonder of the world? Unless that is part of Earth's history that has been passed down to this point in the future. Wow. Grayson, color me impressed. That is some very solid convincing headcanon. And more importantly, Grayson, it doesn't encroach on mine. So I'm but, I can appreciate it with a completely objective appreciation. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I call that headcanon Planet of the Flying Monkeys. <laughs> oh, that's really good. That's really good. All right. So um I have uh a lot of headcanon. <laughs> um three main branches um that so three total pieces of headcanon separated into two different categories. First category is um, that Oz is real. Um, and so like we talked about in earlier part of the episode, the part of Oz being just a dream was largely due to the studios thinking that the audience was just too smart for and far too sophisticated for that kind of believability. So I'm going to start with that. And then I have another headcanon based on the idea that Oz is a dream. Here's my biggest headcanon. Actually, no, I'll start backwards to go forward. So um, I actually watched this movie with Rambo. Friend Rambo. Hey, 
How's it going? Um, and she actually brought up this piece of headcanon that I thought was really convincing. Um, that Oz is a parallel universe. Um, and the Wicked Witch of the East was Dorothy's counterpart. Oh, I love that. How else do the shoes fit perfectly? Yeah. And that way that she had to like basically become a hero in this version of the city because everyone's just like, Oh my gosh, you killed this witch. And she's like, Oh, I mean, I didn't mean to, but like good. <laughs> They're all just terrified of her. Cause she looks just like the wicked witch of the East. Yeah. Well that, and yeah, I, so that, that's the uh, big piece of headcanon that Rambo brought up. Um, and later on, I found, for me, the most convincing piece of headcanon, which is Dorothy is a wizard. Of the South? Well, hear me out. Uh, she She's not old enough to claim turf yet. Um, sure. Turf wars, yeah. But here are, the, here are my pieces of evidence. She can use the slippers. Mm. Firstly. Yeah. Um, I think that the the slippers transferring from one body to another isn't something that the slippers did on themselves, but was something that she did herself and she doesn't know it. Um, yeah. The wicked witch of the West looked pretty surprised to see the slippers on Dorothy's feet. Right. And Glinda knew she was a wizard because she said, well, are you a good witch or a bad witch? She asked her straight up front and she's like, well, I don't think I am. She's just like, Listen, you have to be in order for you to show up here unannounced and killing this other thing. And also, and I also think that her wizardry was activated by survival. Um, so, like, when she did get conked in the head, that kind of allowed her to tap into her wizarding powers. Um, also, I think Toto is her familiar. Explain. Um, because, you know, wizards have animal things. Oh, I see. It's a wizard thing. Yes. (laughs) Um, and she activated the crystal ball when she's like, I miss Aunt M. The crystal ball showed her Aunt M. So that that's where it all started. I'm like, she just activated. She's a wizard. And my alternate theory to yours is that. She threw water on the witch because she cast a spell on it, and she didn't know that she did. I see. Yeah, that makes sense. She willed it to be flesh scalding acid. <laughs> um, and um, her using the ruby slippers to say there's no place like home like wizards use wands to concentrate their spells i just think that the slippers are her wand um that she uses to make things happen maybe the heels of the slippers is just one wand that was snapped in half and then put onto shoes look at that maybe um so but that that headcan doesn't end there um because Dorothy is a wizard, I think that Oz is an early, early uh, version of the wizarding world. 
Hmm. And that the quartet are the inspirations for the houses in Harry Potter. Ravenclaw values intelligence. Also, a raven. Scarecrow. Oh. Gryffindor. A lion. Values courage, bravery, nerve, and chivalry. Hufflepuff. Iron lung. Because Puff, what? Is, it's, this is the most stretchy one. Um, it's a badger, right? Uh, for yeah. Hufflepuff? Yeah. Um, values always... hard work, patience, oh, okay. justice, yeah. and loyalty. That's the Tin Man. Uh-huh. And then Dorothy, who values ambition, is very cunning, resourceful, and Slytherin. Whoa, you're saying Dorothy's a Slytherin just because she killed that witch of the East? I mean, kind of. Just because she avocadavered that that <laughs> witch with a house? Yeah. And uh, and so that's that's my big headcanon. Dorothy is a wizard and um, that quartet um, is like Wizard of Oz is like a prequel to... Um, the establishment of Hogwarts and all these other things. Oh, so they're the distant ancestors of of all the houses. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So that's all my headcanon around Oz being real. Sure. I only have one bit of headcanon if Oz is just a dream. Uh-huh. Uh, and it has to do with this thing. Now, this could very well be false, but it's been something that I remember from uh, my childhood, which is there's this idea that in real life um, – in our dreams, we can only see faces that we already know. Like, our mind's not inventing faces. And, like, we've seen a lot of people, like, even strangers on the street um, or people from, like, your childhood. Like, your brain still retains those memories to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so, with that being said, um, at the end, she's like, hey, you were there, you were there, you were there. Like, all pretty, pretty much accounting for all the main characters. Um, especially with the wizard accounting for all those different strangers, right? Well, I was like, well, then who's Glinda? And then it clicked. I think Glinda is Dorothy's mom. That's so nice. Yeah. I I just thought that that would make sense for Glinda to be this very mothering source for her and someone that she trusts and helps um, Dorothy out with a lot of things. Yeah, that's much nicer than my headcanon that Glinda's trying to send her on a suicide mission. I didn't say she wasn't sure. a great mother figure. Parenting's hard, <laughs> I hear. Yeah. Okay, so those are my pieces of headcanon, uh, which I thought it was really fun, especially if you uh, see Dorothy as a wizard or, you know, finally giving a face to Glinda. Mm. And... As, you know, a lover of theater, I am forgoing all wicked headcanon, which I just love all in itself. Um, But I wanted to come up with something a little bit different. But do know that I was humming all of the tunes and seeing all those connections when I was watching this. Yeah, just play Defying Gravity when she's flying through the tornado. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so now we're going to go into... Part of the show where we like to talk about recasts and remakes. Recast, remake. 
All right, Grayson. So if this movie were to be made today, who would you cast and what would the storyline be? Are you asking me? Uh, Only in the royal way of asking. Well, then I'll respond in the royal way. Um, For Dorothy, I had Zendaya. I thought she would be Zendaya. Uh, I thought she would be uh, pretty great. At first I had Emma Watson, but I was like, you had your chance with Beauty and the Beast. We're going to (laughs) do something different here. Um, For the Scarecrow, uh, Neil Patrick Harris. Of course. He's got the talent. He's got the chops. Um, For the Tin Man... I would love to see Christopher Plummer. I want to see a really old Tin Man. Wow. <laughs> really old Tin Man who is he's slow, he's methodical, maybe he's got some rust on him. Um, but just the feeling that he has been frozen there in the woods, not just for, like they say he was standing there for a year or something like that when it started to rain the acid rain, um, mm. but that he actually uh, has been there for like centuries. Uh, I think that would be uh, an interesting casting choice. And then for the Cowardly Lion, I want to see Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> I think it'd be great. I think it would be really great. Um, for the Wicked Witch, I have uh, Robin Wright. Um I put Robin Wright down because of how scary she is in House of Cards. Then I saw three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, and thought Frances McDormand would also be a great candidate because she is scary as well. Uh, <laughs> and then for Glinda, I I think Viola Davis would be amazing as Glinda. Ooh, yeah. She would just she'd nail it. Uh, for the wizard, Michael Stahlberg. Can we just talk about Michael Stahlberg for a second? Sure. The guy's incredible. He was in like three Best Picture nominated films uh, this year. He's been in a bunch of Aaron Sorkin stuff. He's one of the best working actors right now. So if you're not familiar with Michael Stahlberg, go out and watch some Michael Stahlberg uh, and get acquainted. But he would just be such a great and empathetic wizard, like the kind of wizard that you don't want him to be a fraud. Uh, and you just like want to understand how he got here. I think he would be so great. And then um, for Toto, instead of Terry the dog playing Toto as he did in 1939, I would just have that dog from Airbud because he could <laughs> dunk. You see it? The dog could play basketball. They would have been out of there in half the time if they had Air Bud. If they only could have just challenged those flying monkeys to a game of basketball. Oh, man, they wouldn't have stood a chance. Oh, that's great. My cast for um, Wizard of Oz largely has to do with different shows. Um, I feel like New Girl, um, after I thought of it, was just the perfect thing. And I'm not convinced that New Girl isn't a modern-day retelling of Wizard of Oz. Um, With Zoe Deschanel being, you know, Dorothy, as she has played before. Exactly. I was um, gonna say that's great, yeah. Yeah, I would say that um Jake Johnson is the scarecrow. Yeah. Um Schmidt is the Tin Man. Absolutely. And uh Lamorne Morris is the Cowardly Lion. Yeah, he's great. He's yeah. like the scaredest cop on television. Yep. <laughs> yep. And uh Hannah Simone is Glinda sometimes. Oh, that's interesting. I, I thought that uh 
Toto would equate to CC. Oh. <laughs> oh, you know what? It it matches. So yes, we'll go with that. But it also feels disrespectful to recast a dog with a human. Yeah, but I mean, come on, Toto really carried that film. That's true. You could see it in his eyes at the spark. <laughs> like if CC were to be um, just like the best friend, like who got in trouble, who you know. Jess says, you're not going to take my friend. She's like, well, I, the cops are going to come anyway. And then she's like, we're going to run away. Like, I, I just, instead of making it like a dog issue, just make it a person. Yeah, because I, I would think if CC is Toto, then that means a coach can be Glinda because he's there at the beginning. He sends her <laughs> on her way. Then he disappears and then comes back for no rhyme or reason occasionally. Yep. That's yeah. Perfect. Um. And then I also wanted to do the same thing with one of my favorite uh, shows that is on, which is Brooklyn Nine Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then doing the same thing, except um, I'm, I think I just have an option to have the fuller cast, which is Terry Crews, Carly Lyon, Obvi, um, uh, Stephanie Beatrice as um, the Wicked Witch. Oh. Um, Annie Sandberg as Scarecrow, uh, Melissa Fumero as Dorothy, mm-hmm. uh, Chelsea Peretti. Uh, I would I would want her to be the Wicked Witch of the East, but she would just have a brief cameo of just saying something. I feel like she would be the gatekeeper of Oz. Oh, you're right. No, you're right. You're like, right. Mm, no one sees the Wizard. It's oh, no, after sorry. twelve. Sorry. Um, and then Andre, uh, Andre Brauger, completely butchering your last name. Um, but I would want him to be the wizard. Oh yeah. He'd be good. All right. Now we're going to go into our final segment where we share with you our reasons to recommend. So Grayson, why would you recommend the wizard of Oz? So while it may seem like a fairly straightforward tale that it feels like it's taught in like every screenwriting course, uh, it's just it's such a clean story. Um, it, it has a lot of layers to it. It's got a lot of depth, and it's what it what warrants multiple watchings. And why I would encourage you that even if you've seen it a hundred times already, go back and watch it. Maybe watch it with some of the head canon that we suggested here. There's always something new that you can pull from. Uh, watching The Wizard of Oz. Like, hey, did you know there's a character named Uncle Henry? Um, <laughs> but ultimately... Oh, it's, Henry. <laughs> it's a story about discovering purpose. And I think that that's something that a lot of people can relate to. Like, to be uh, a scarecrow that can't scare a crow or an immobile woodsman that can't fulfill his purpose or the scared king of the forest. Like, at some point or another, we all feel inadequate in the things that we define ourselves by and it can create this uh, internal chaos. And this is about really uh, not attaching yourselves to, uh, or sorry. And this is about not defining yourself by what you don't have, uh, but by what you actually had all along and just, you needed the, uh, the confidence or the support or the community to really let shine. So um, discover discovery of purpose is such a, a, a universal theme that, there's something you can get from this movie. There's something that can connect. And it was made in a time that just the, the visuals make it feel truly magical. Um, it's pre-CG in the way that we know it today. It's as practical as 
they they had to be with those effects and so I, the whole thing just feels uh i, I guess real like it, it's fantastical but it is it's got weight to it um but ultimately i mean visuals aside i really do have to recommend it for the the core themes of uh just knowing knowing what your purpose is and knowing uh what's important to you knowing that home is that there's no place like home that that's why that is the takeaway line of that movie of it, it wasn't written by you know people that just wanted to keep their kids at home forever it, they're saying like know where you're safe know what you appreciate about home know know what made you 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 and respect that and um yeah just you are not incomplete you were you were whole the entire time which is why it's so great that like Dorothy could have clicked her heels together at the very beginning and gone home she was walking around in the solution the entire time uh but you know Glinda didn't want to tell her that uh for whatever reason Glinda Glenda thanks a lot, Glenda. Wait, wait, Glenda, you mean to tell me <clears throat> because it home now? You telling me I was I was wearing these shoes the entire time? Uh, I feel like that really undercut my uh, heartfelt with the joke, my heartfelt message. But undercut it with the joke. <laughs> I'm guessing you've already seen Wizard of Oz by this point. Watch it again. It'll be worth it. You you brought up a good point that reminded me of something. I this was the first time that I noticed uh, this moment when Dorothy and the gang are being cornered. The scarecrow looks over, sees the rope, looks up, and then moves the Tin Man's arm over to chop down uh, the chandelier to trap all of the guards. Mm. It was the first time that I realized exactly what you're saying which was that the scarecrow was already smart he everyone did have what they already were wanting and it wasn't the thing they they were seeing the absence of what they saw everyone else have but they couldn't see it in themselves the tin man was already so compassionate just the the desire to want a heart is a very heart yeah, that, having you're thing. exactly right like people without a heart don't have the empathy to want a heart and it's not necessarily the substance itself but the action and the motivation behind getting the thing that mm. really counts um which was something that I thought was really really cool to see from this movie that was made in the 30s because it's so simple but you I think especially as uh, adults um, who are constantly trying to figure out who are we? What what should we be doing? What should we be wanting? Um, I think it is really cool to see the story that's like, listen, man, you already have everything you need. Just just be good and do good. And yeah, it, it's a great movie. There's a lot to take from. And you get to watch Dorothy be a wizard if you subscribe to my headcanon, which I think you should because think yeah. about it. You're a wizard, Dorothy. You're a sandwich, Dorothy. <laughs>
And that is our review of The Wizard of Oz. Let us know what you remember fondly about The Wizard of Oz on Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. And actually, our Twitter question of the week, a thing that we're going to start right now, um, is... What's your favorite movie with two Zs (laughs) in the title? No, Grayson, we don't want to give them the option to pick We Bought a Zazoo. Oh, I was thinking the ZZ Top documentary. (laughs) The Top. All the way to the top. Um, Yeah, on Twitter, uh, let us know what you would ask the wizard for. Yeah, what would you ask the wizard for, Ricky? Oh, man, I would probably ask for, I mean, metaphorically speaking, or no, courage. I would probably be courage. Oh, so you're picking from the ones that they they already had. Well, yeah. I mean, just me personally, I would probably stand for more courage. I think I would would want more courage. Uh, But if it's along the lines of, like, uh, you know, the thing that you want that other people have but you already have in yourself, um, I think, uh, as sad as this is probably going to sound, friendship. Oh, like, I have friends, but it doesn't always feel, like, actively. Uh, like, just like, oh, I sure wish I had some friends. But, like, you know, just people are busy. And also, I forget that phones work the way that they work sometimes. Yeah. How about That's you? Answer. Probably upper body strength. <laughs> solid, solid. Just like, when am I going to get to the gym? <laughs> And then the wizard would just give you a gym membership. Oh, thanks, Rip. <laughs> and it would also help the show out if you could leave us a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. Um, if you are listening on the podcast app, you can just dive on in and just leave us a rating on a scale of one to five yellow bricks. Like one brick, you, you, you don't have much of anything other than a doorstop. A doorstop. Or if you're trying to get upper body strength, a, oh. a weight thing to lift. I guess, no, mine is back to upper body strength. I don't even know what equipment is called. I had all this upper body strength the whole time. <laughs> I just had to lift it above my head. But with five bricks, you kind of got something close to a road. It's a very short road, unless they're very big bricks. No. Huh? There it goes. It's all about your perspective. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast, a renowned archaeologist and an expert in the occult is hired by the government to find the Ark of the Covenant. Wait, nope, sorry. That's Raiders of the Lost Ark. We're going to be watching Laura Croft Tomb Raider. I've never seen Tomb Raider, and I'm not about to start now.